Building Years Podcast with Justin Alexio and Jeremiah Watkins. New episodes every Wednesday. Welcome to the show. Hey everybody, welcome to the Building Years. This is Jeremiah Watkins. Hey, it's your boy Justin Lexi. I don't know why I did that two weeks in a row. I'm it's sorry. All, it's all good. <laughs> you know, it's Friday, everybody, hey. uh, which means we have a guest on the show. Very excited to bring uh, this buddy on. He has uh, multiple comedy albums uh, oh, on iTunes. Shit. He uh, hosts a weekly show at the Laugh Factory. Known this guy for years. Been wanting to get him on for a while. Please welcome my friend, John Campanelli, to the program, everybody. Oh, man. Thank you guys so much for having me. That was such a nice intro. Thank you, Jeremiah. Yeah. Just yeah. such a good dude. Nervous is uh, was your first comedy yes. album, right? And New Phone, who is this? Is your second one? Yes. There you go. Yeah. Uh, I, I've, uh, I own a copy of Nervous. Thank you. Did uh, I sign it for you? You did. Thank you, you very did. much. Okay. Yep, yep. You're uh, welcome. You signed, yep, thank you very much. You signed it to me, gave, <laughs> gave it to me, I checked it out. Uh, have not uh, have not gotten New Phone Who Is This Yet, but I'll, I'll listen to it. I you're, will say New Phone Jeremiah. is, I, I like it a lot more than, I, I love Nervous, but New Phone Who Is This is an hour and five minutes, mm-hmm. and it's just better quality. Mm-hmm. So, Where did you record it at? New York Comedy Club. Ooh. Oh, nice. Yeah. Wait, well, are you a New York comic? Uh, well, I'm I'm from New York, but but I've been I started out here, and I've been in LA. So I've I've been doing stand up for almost six years, and I started here, but I go back a lot. Okay. Yeah. You have uh, family in New York, though. Yes, right? that's where I'm from. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wait, are you like city boy? Or are you like uh, I don't know this? What are the suburbs there called? The mountains, Catskill Mountain? Is that what I'm it is? I'm definitely not from the Catskills. Okay. But. <laughs> Um, from is anybody that you've ever met, <laughs> Justin? Like, no, I got I got some people that mess around with the Poconos. The Catskills comics—they're the ones you got to watch out for. Um, <laughs> but I'm from Westchester. Okay. Yeah. So, but not the Catskills. So, for comedians, uh, because I know a lot of comedians who have not produced even one comedy album. So, what was that process like? You've done two now. Like leading up to that, like that's a lot. That first of all, that's like a lot of material that that mm-hmm. you have worked on, and uh, being a comic for, like you said, a little over six years. Six. It will be six years in April. Yeah, um, that's great. So you know, like, what's the process leading up to that? And do you did you do like multiple takes or whatever? Whenever you went to record, how how did you go about doing that? Okay, uh, so I was three years in. And I, I had a lot of material. I just write. I, I love stand up. It's just how my brain works. Mm-hmm. Like when I was a kid, I would be, you know, I had my talk boy and I'd be doing Jim Carrey into it and then rewinding it, fast forwarding it, getting mad if I didn't like the way it sounded. I was a huge Elvis fan from the time I was like six on. Like I love entertainment. Like that's just who I am. So I had stand up written from the time I was like 18, 19. I didn't start till I was 25. Mm-hmm. But like I was playing sports. I was just kind of in, it was just like a, a bit of an unorthodox thing to do with the people I was running with. So I just kind of didn't start until later, but I always wanted to. Um, So I had a lot of material when I did my first open mic. I knew what I wanted to talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, So I had a lot of material. And then what happened was a buddy of mine was at the very small record label, someone I went to high school with, he's in music. And he was like, hey, I'm with this like record label now and we're we're looking to expand and we kind of want to do like a comedy album. Would you be interested in doing a stand-up album? So I was like, and I could do a lot of time at, at that point. I already had close to an hour of material. Okay. So I 
And what year was this? Was this 2012? 2012? 2013. 2013. 2013. Um, so it was a perfect storm, really. What happened was... Um, the, the guy who had the, the record label was like, yeah, we want to do this with you. And I was like, okay, great. The stand in New York City had just opened up. It was a brand new club at the time. Yeah. And uh, I got referred to them. I was going back to New York a lot at this point. And I was almost more of a New York comic than I was an L.A. comic at this point. I was still a very young comic, and I still guess I kind of am. But I was like, you know, I was going back a lot. So I got in with the stand a little bit, and uh, I was like, wait, this is a perfect room. I can fill this room. It was like an 80-85 seater. I can fill this. So I talked to the guy at the record label. I was like, hey, let's do this. And he was even talking about maybe doing a special. And I was like, "That's I can't tackle that right now. No way. So um, I the stand gave me a Thursday and a Sunday. And uh, they were like, this is a great idea. You know, whatever. So then the time comes and both shows sold out. The Thursday and the Sunday, completely sold out, oversold out. It was it was just amazing. I was I couldn't believe the support I had gotten. People from high school, people from college, uh, the the few fans I had accumulated. It was it was really cool to see that many people come and support me, and they bought tickets. And it was it was a pretty humbling experience. Um, the shows were rocking. The shows went well. Now, a buddy of mine, it was very new record label, and he's a great guy. Admittingly, they they messed up a little bit with the recordings, and essentially didn't want to didn't really want to tell me. So I did like a third show, up one pickup, because I wanted to mess with some stuff. Yeah, um, at Greenwich Comedy Club about a month later, and then he recorded that, and then he was like urging me to take only the recording from that show, which wasn't sold out. And you're like, wait a second, wasn't even what I want. I was just doing some alternate stuff. So I was like. I didn't get why, and then basically he loosely admitted to me that like there was issues with the levels, and basically they didn't get what. <laughs> so now I'm like, uh oh, what am I gonna do? You're like, I would have been able to hear it. Why didn't you just tell me? You know? What yeah, I mean? yeah. And they had it a little bit. That's weird that they also didn't fix it for the second show. Like they didn't listen back and be like, all right, we messed up this first show. Let's go back. But, and then there were some issues too, like when we were started to edit it because I was like, okay, well, maybe we'll... He started doing weird things like, all right, let's cut this out. We'll... I don't like... We we can trim this here because there's bigger laughs. And I go, no, 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 no. This is my art. I go, we're not... You're not telling me how to edit this. No way. Right, right. Like, because I'm... I will never... I'm an artist and I will never let anybody tell me how to do my That's art. It's your stand-up. Ever. It's, no yeah. one will ever... I will never cower to that. And if I don't make it because of that, Fine. But I'm not. I'm. I'm doing my art. So I was like, I, I can't. I can't do this, man. So we decided uh, on great terms. He's a great dude. Uh, maybe you know you don't, you don't have the recordings I want. I don't know what I'm gonna do. I I paid someone, um, actually a comic, really good dude, actually in New York. He had a great camera to just tape it for me. Um, luckily, the Thursday recording he had set it up right in a pocket that was perfect for laughs and it was right under a speaker. So I was I was listening to it and I didn't know what to do and someone said, why don't you try stripping the audio off the video yeah. and mastering that? You might be able to make it work. So I got hooked up with this great editor, um, Michael, I'm going to say his last name correctly, uh, Ein, 
I should get it before. I'll get it by the end and give him a plug because he's really, really great. Um, I got turned on to him, and we were sitting down, and we were uh, editing it, and he made it work. And he he ran through these filters. He mastered it, or I wouldn't have had nervous. But I was like, I'm getting this done. I sold out two shows and almost a third to do this. We're getting this album done. So it ended up being 40 minutes. I did 55 the first show in like an hour, and like the second show I did like 61. Cut it down to 40 minutes, and we made it usable. Um, the quality isn't what it is at New Phone. New Phone was done correctly, executed perfectly, mm-hmm. but but it was it's still it's still good. Nervous. The quality is still good enough. But as like your freshman comedy album, that's that's dope. That you you know, like people don't set. I don't know. So, so whenever people put out albums and and specials, it's, they either expect it to be their best one ever, mm-hmm. or they expect it to be like, oh, it's his first one. Like like right. Like it'll it'll get better as as it goes along. So, right. Yeah. There was some stuff in there that I kind of feel like is more relevant now. Um, I really I really like a bunch of the. There's probably like ten minutes of nervous that I'll never ever ever use again. But out of the forty, there's like thirty that I'm. I, I still do so I, I like and I think we'll there's some stuff that will be on my first special that's from nervous that's cool um and then uh you know then then I had a lot of I really want to do my first special last year and you know it's hard to get industry around you at this point it's you know like I'm having I'm having trouble with that and I had a lot of material and I had a lot of new stuff and um I draw from my life and I, I really I, I get very passionate about it so the good thing about I write a lot, so I have a lot of material, but also like I had a bunch of stuff about um, a bad relationship I was in, and then because of that, just some other stuff happened to come together, and I'm like, I have enough material for another album or a special. I got to do this, and I knew the ex girlfriend stuff. I was just gonna get when I wasn't when I really didn't care at all anymore. I was gonna get sick of telling it. Um, so I want to do a special. So. Uh, Last January, I January, February, March, I spent the first three months trying to get my own special going. The place that I wanted was awesome. It's a government entity. So let's talk for, for yeah. people that don't know how to go about this. So what do you need for a special? You need a venue. You venue, need someone to record it. Venue, you need a director, you need a crew. You need funding uh, if you want to do it independently without a network behind you. Um, I mean, then you've got you know pre post production. Uh, you have to you know then you, you got to sell the tickets and you want if it's the venue I wanted was pretty big. There was, it was a so big to target t- money. How much did you need to like like get or so I, what I was trying to do is mm-hmm. um, I was trying to fund it with ticket sales. Okay, mainly, and uh, the director I had on board is great. And uh, I had a couple guys I was, I was in between. They all liked my stuff. So they were like, yeah, man. When it got down to it, for three months, I was going over contracts with attorneys myself to try to get this the venue I wanted because it was a government entity. And that's all I will reveal because it's still going to be where I'm going to do my first special. I, had a, I, went through, I spent so much time on the phone. And it's a place back in New York, so they'd be calling me at like 7.30 in the morning. And I'd be waking up like... And then they, I got everything approved somehow. And then they gave me a date. And then when I looked at the date, they didn't give me a date until they only gave me a month to get everything else ready. And I was like, in, I was like, 
I basically told my parents, I was like, just back off. Let me be a little delusional about this because I'm going to get it done. Like I need to be a little unrealistic right now. And then what happened was when I started looking at the money I needed and the director was like, look, man, you know, I, you are, he's like, you're working hard. And I really, I think it's great. I think you're going to do big stuff. He was like, but I'm not going to take this on for you because you need, if you had 70K, his exact quote was, in an offshore account somewhere that you didn't care about spending, I'd be on board. But I just, I, I don't want to see you take, you know, take this all on yourself because Dang. it's too much. I see what you're trying to do and you, and I, and I think you understand how to do it. I just don't, you can't do it like this. Like you just can't, it's, it's too much of a risk. And I looked back and I was like, you mean you're right. Mm-hmm. So then I was like, fuck it, I'm going to do an album. So I went, um, I got, I got LinkedIn with New York comedy club. They are, they also do stuff with comedy records and they wanted, they were like, yeah, let's do it. We have an, we have a, we have, they have a state of the art system. Like it's, it's amazing. Their, their equipment. And, uh, they gave me a Friday night, two shows, both completely sold out, and the shows were on fire. And I did, I think, 70 minutes both shows, and a little more, actually, and I used uh, 65 of it from the second show. So, but yeah, it was last year, was like, it, was, it, was, it was a roller coaster, because for three months, I worked super hard to try to get this special going, because I'm like, I have this material, I'm ready to do one. And it just, it didn't, it didn't happen. So, but that's just, you know, how it goes. Yeah. That's uh that's pretty interesting. The process of <laughs> all of that. Uh, I want to rewind a little bit because mm-hmm. we uh, went up to all the way recording to your albums, which is pretty recent. What were you doing in the time between you said uh, you started like thinking about it, like uh, around 18 to you started at twenty five or twenty six. I started twenty five. Yeah. What's okay. <laughs> so what? So what's going on in John Campanelli's mind between eighteen and twenty five? And and what are you doing? Like, uh, are you in school? Are you working a day job? Like, what's going on? Uh, so I went to Quinnipiac University in Connecticut. Uh, I played Division one baseball. So, uh, you know, it was like I was playing baseball. I was in college, and it was just like. Um, a weird thing to kind of get into stand up, but my friends always be like, "There's an open mic night, you got to go to it." And I, I, maybe I was too proud at the time. Maybe I, you like, know, I'm a Division One baseball player. It was just a, it was a surreal thing. But I would, I would, I remember my my college ex. I would make her listen to my stand up, and I had a microphone that was kind of like this. Uh, it's it had like a colored uh, top on it. Yeah, and it was like a little tykes or something. And I would like say it into the microphone and, and she would sit there and be like, are you really making me listen to this? <laughs> but like she thought it was so funny. Like she was so cool. And then I would do it. But my friends would like be drinking in like a backyard and I would take the same microphone and do stand up to them. And I'll be like, you got to do it. You got to do it. And I was and I really knew in my heart that's what I wanted to do. I actually quit baseball. And then um, my uh, senior year, I got into the, I got into I had my um, advisor uh, switch some prerequisites for me so that I could I could not take like a instead of taking like some type of weird not weird but like not sociology but like something along that 101 class to fill a prerequisite for like another class he switched them so like I could take like a theater 101 mm-hmm. so my I, look I was look I was I would have probably been been labeled like a douchey athlete frat guy Guido in college a little bit, you know, like you just yeah. crushing it with the ladies. I mean, yeah, you know, it was a good, it was a good. I had, I had fun in college, and yeah. 
Uh, and Quinnipiac had the most beautiful girls, and they were all cool. And it was just like it was just a great. So I remember my senior year in my uh, I lived with eight other guys, and then we lived next to like the baseball lacrosse house, and like there was like. And I remember uh, I was taking a theater class, and I didn't tell any of them. And uh, I had to go over scenes. Where did you have the kind of friends back then? Who were like, "Oh, you took a theater class, you gay, bro." You yeah, faggot, like that, <laughs> like that and thing? like, yeah. which is oh, it's okay that I said that word. You're fine. It, it, just between guys, like back circa 2006, 2007, it when it was yeah. acceptable. Yeah. yeah. It was a now histor- it historically different. accurate. It was yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, these are the kind of guys In that the would 2000s, get like, that would get drunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it wasn't not. It was. It was still like okay. It was never. We never. We weren't yelling it outside a window. Like we weren't rolling down our car window and being like, "Hey!" But like amongst ourselves, it was a. It was a common term. Uh, so we were. Um, so I had to have this guy. He was. He was very much a theater guy. Um, he, I was jacked. I was benching three twenty-five or three fifteen at the time. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, I couldn't jack- even squat that. <laughs> yeah, I'm jacked up. I'm, you know, my my roommates are are getting drunk and running through doors. You know, being like, look what I could do, and it was like, no way, dude, that's so cool. <laughs> it's like running through that. Like we destroyed our house. What were we thinking? You know, it's like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so um, so I was like, hey, we got to go over the, this this uh, scene. So he's like skinny, like uh, you know, didn't tan the way that we did, and tanning salons maybe they were a factor at that point. I may or may not have already gone through my ear, getting my ear pierced phase. <laughs> like I, <laughs> I would have loved him at the John Campanelli. <laughs> I was pretty much the. I think the most hilarious part is I think I was the same. So that's like the funniest part about it. Just with a heavy tan on. Yeah. <laughs> um. So they came over to read these the scene with me, and we went into my basement where we would party, but it was like a basement. So it was like all like empty kegs and you know down there and we're we're running this uh, reading this scene and it was like kind of like an emotional scene and like I really love acting so I was like kind of getting into it and uh, I just remember hearing I'll put the mic down so you can hear I remember hearing so from the from the you could hear from the ceiling because you could hear them running down the stairs I, I heard like bro something like that and then I heard like <laughs> and I was like oh no and you could see that the guy I was reading the scene with he was like mortified. And I could hear them laughing by the basement door, all crouching down, looking underneath, going, oh, my God, what's he doing? What's going on? Oh, dude, faggot. Like, all this stuff. And I was like, no, dude, it's cool. And the, the guy who was reading the scene was like, you want to go somewhere else? And I was like, yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, because uh, I'm getting emotionally damaged yeah, in this yeah. basement. <laughs> I'm, I'm being made fun of <laughs> pursuing the performing arts right but, now. <laughs> Those guys are so supportive of me, and it's just completely tough love, like jokes. Like, they come to all my shows. They're so awesome. I think it's so cool Dude, I'm doing I bet, it. I yeah, bet yeah, they, yeah. they love you even more that they made fun of you, and you still pursued it right. out in L.A. now. They're probably like, oh, man, that's incredible. Yeah, so they're, they're, they're good dudes. I've gotten nothing but love from them. And it's just, even if I was doing it then for real, they would have loved it. But, like, to them, like, if I know if I would have gone to an open mic night, they would have been like throwing shit at me. Oh yeah, but, like been heckling it was, you, yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, totally. Or like tell the story about, and it's like, no, it's not why I'm up here, man. But uh, so then I, I graduated, and I and I and I was paying for a manager in New York City. I was inter- I interned at Fox News Channel, which was great. And then uh, before I graduated, then I graduated. I was I was I had I paid for a manager in New York City who was sending me out on, you know, weird stuff. What do you mean, like paying for a manager? Like I would pay a monthly fee. Oh, oh really? 
for him for them to not for them to send me out. They hooked me up with like headshot place. Like it was good. It was good for me at the time because I didn't know what to do. Right. And they would send me out on like student films and like they were actively sending me out on auditions. It was yeah. it wasn't bad. Um, it wasn't a lot. It was like maybe thirty five bucks a month or something. Oh okay. Um, and then. It was good because I was auditioning, and that's that's a big part of it, you know. And I'm not good at that stuff. I, I pretty much, I'm pretty sure I went to a student film, and I'm pretty sure that the guy laughed in my face, and I didn't want to admit <laughs> he was laughing in my face. And I just remember leaving, going, "Oh, that was not good." Uh, <laughs> so then, um, this is the this is this is a cool story. Um, I was 23, I believe, and my. Uh, Maybe just turning twenty three. My little brother, who's amazing, uh, he's he's nineteen now. He had was going to have a surgery on his leg because one leg was uh, longer than the other, mm-hmm. and it was getting to a point where it was like, okay, well, if it's a li- if it if it eclipses a certain amount, it's dangerous to the alignment of his back and his spine. Yeah. So they were gonna have to do a surgery to go in, and what they did is they spread the bone in the leg that's not growing. So they put metal rods in your leg from like your buttocks down to your ankle wow. literally metal rods that are sticking out like if you stuck the microphone in and the and the microphone sticking out of your leg all up and down it's like it was something we didn't even know that that was what it was going to be like like we didn't understand that that's what it was so he had this crazy surgery and um it was really really you know he was young he was 11 i think when he had it and so he had a i mean and he was a remarkable athlete and he was just you know he had to sit with his leg for half a year and physical, painful physical therapy every day, and it was, and it was, you know, as it, as the would work, his leg would just bleed because it was open, like holes in his leg, oh. trying to stretch them. It was something that, like, when you hear leg surgery, you don't realize that, that like, that's how bad it was. Uh, he's he came out of it ahead of its time, and I stayed, you know, home after I graduated with him and uh, helped my parents. And then I remember uh, I was like, right, I want to move to L.A. And I, I interviewed with TV Guide Network and Fox out here. I, I flew out here. I interviewed with them. And that was December of 2008. And then December, and then January 2009, I got a call from TV. Actually, this guy, John Berrien, who I, I love to death. He's uh, such a good dude. He was a PA at TV Guide Network. They weren't hiring at the time, but the VP of programming was like, next job open, well, you got so John was going to work at TMZ, and he messaged me, and he goes, hey, man, I remember when you, you know, I think you're a good dude. I just want to let you know I'm leaving TV Guide Network, so there might be an opening. I immediately messaged uh, Matt Singerman at TV Guide Network, and I was like, hey, yeah, just wondering if you guys had anything open. And he goes, that's weird that you just emailed me. Uh, yeah, we actually do. Let me get back to you. And then he called me and was like, hey, he's like, hey, John, how's the weather in New York? And I was like, uh, it's pretty bad. And he was like, oh, really? <laughs> well, wait, wait to make conversation. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, and he was like, um, and he goes, uh, well, I'm looking out the window right here and it's a beautiful day in L.A. Wouldn't you like to be in this weather more? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, got the job. I remember I walked outside and I was pretty emotional um, and because my friends were like, you're not really moving to L.A. And I was like, yeah, dude, I, I really want to do this. And I walked out and I saw my little brother and he had just gotten the sur- he had just gotten everything taken off at this time. So he was starting to recover. And I just remember he I was like, I got the job and I got really emotional. And I remember he he went he took his hand and he went, yes, like that to himself. 
And I just remember being like, yeah, this is, this feels right. And, uh, so that is a job that brought me out here in January, 2009. I worked for within two weeks. I just moved out here and I didn't know anyone. And, uh, I worked TV guide network for a year and it was great. And then I was, um, I was a PA. I worked my way up to technically AP, which was amazing. Uh, I was interviewing the red carpet a little bit, although I started to realize the LA culture from this job because I was, see, I was taught just to work hard. And that's what I did. That's what I did in sports. That's what I did in school. Just work hard, work ethic. You know, you climb your ladder and that's all you should worry about. Like, that's my mentality. So with TV Guide Network, I was super excited to be there. And like every time there'd be an, an opportunity to go on a red carpet, I'd go and I'd, and I didn't realize people in LA don't want to work hard and they get mad if you are. And if they see you climbing a ladder, they get mad at it. And there was people that I was working with, some great people that I still keep in contact, but some other people that I found out were like bad-mouthing me. And I was like, this is, so, I, didn't, I didn't know, what to, I was 24, I didn't know what to do, I didn't yeah. know what that meant. I was like, wait, I'm doing, so then the MVP programming was like, look, I can't really have you go on uh, interview on the red carpet anymore. Some people are getting you know, a little upset by it. But the messed up part is it wasn't even people that wanted to be doing that. Mm. So that's why I was like, and that's where I got to lay the land of the culture in LA. And I was like, this is a weird city to work in. There are a lot of people that will just screw you over because they're just like, something's going on within them. And it's like, I'm one of the girls that was saying stuff about me. I remember the cast, she was a huge 90210 fan. And the cast of 90210, the supervising producer who was way too close with her, that's a whole other thing I don't even want to get into. Uh, was like, oh, the cast of 90210, do you want to interview them? In her like pajamas that she would wear to work, she was like, oh, you know, like I couldn't, I would love to, but I would be too like nervous to do whatever. And I was sitting here like, what? Your boss just gave you a job and it's a, <laughs> a show that you love. Yeah. And I'm in my head going, am I taking crazy pills? Like, is this? So then I go, hey, I'll do it. And he goes, I didn't ask you. Uh. And I was like, oh, I don't, I don't know. This is completely different than how I was raised to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you feel like you faced that in the comedy scene as well uh, with, with trying to work hard and then people like, like bad mouthing you or, I, or I, stuff like that? I, I, th- I mean, I don't think it's anything personal. I don't think I'm the only person that goes through it. Yeah, yeah. for sure. But yeah, de- I mean, definitely. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's just a weird culture out here, man. It's more like, and see, I feel like it's, I agree with the mentality of, you know, climb your own ladder. And if you feel competition from someone, which, you know, it's business, so may- maybe you feel some natural competition and you see someone climbing their ladder faster, if you feel the need that that person's competition for you, then just climb your ladder faster then, maybe, you know? Then work hard towards your ladder. But the mentality out here too much is, shoot, someone's climbing their ladder. Instead of me climbing my ladder, we got to rip them down off of their ladder. And that's a mentality out here I see a lot and I, and I can't get behind and I can't conform to it. Um, but yeah, it, it's, 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 a, it's, a weird, it's weird how that happens here. Like I, when I released Nervous, I had a comic come up to me and say, uh, there's a special place in hell for comics that release albums after three years. And he was being dead serious. And I was like, dude, it's, th- who, then good. Then let me reserve my place. Why do you care? <laughs> <laughs> 
then let me reserve my place in hell. Like, why do you? What are you? The, are you the devil? Is that what you're trying to say? Are you? Because I'm 20 years in and I don't have an album. Yeah. So, um, the comedy scene is yeah, it's 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 a weird place to navigate through. Yeah. Now, now I was curious about this. So you have uh, you've hosted and produced a lot of shows mm-hmm. over the years in mm-hmm. Los Angeles, and do you think that that has? I know that that helps like with stage time, obviously, and getting up and repetition. Do you think that that uh, that, that helps uh, you as a comic push forward, or do you think that that sometimes can warp somebody's perspective being like, oh, he is a producer or a promoter? Like, wh- How do you feel about that? Because I've hosted and produced numerous shows over the years, and uh, I feel like it's a very very delicate balance so people don't start looking at you a certain way as more of a producer than a performer i, I mean i mean it's you know man it's you do such what you do weird a weekly show at the laugh factory yeah. you get a lot of great names there and stuff but are you ever afraid like that people will be like oh well he's just the host or he's just the producer I mean, of the show i mean yeah i mean it, it's 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 just i just don't know if there's any, I just feel like people, if they're not gonna like you, they're just gonna find something anyway. Okay. But but you're but yeah, man, it's a weird balance because I don't know if the industry takes you seriously that way. Like I feel like I'm not getting stuff like representation or showcases that I should be getting. Now I'm not like that young of a. I mean, I'm gonna be six years in. That's I, I put in time. You know, I'm, I I work super hard. It's like. I'm not even getting showcases for stuff. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, it's I have comics that send me tapes and bios of them and I'm like, what do you want me to do with this? <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. I'm I'm a comic just that trying happens to happens to be booking this show. But I don't book Laugh Factory. Oh, at well, all. there you go. So well, that's that... the worst part is that and then the people they're comics that don't believe me and they challenge yeah. me on it. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I can I can vouch for you if you're already a regular or sure. you know, in certain circumstances. Maybe if I can pull, but like, I'm trying to build my my name right now. Yeah, and the fact that yeah, it, it is. I, I don't know what the perception of me is, and quite frankly, I go back and forth. Sometimes I get really down about it, and then sometimes I go, you know what, fuck it, because I'm doing me. I'm getting so strong on stage. And that's really all that matters. And if I have to go around and no one wants to let me through the door, I'm just going to go through the fucking wall. And that's like what my mentality's been now. Because I've got so much content, I also write, I can act. At some point, fine, make me get my own funding. You guys want to go that far? I'll get my own funding and I'll just have to take it over. Like, I don't, that's the only, it's either that or like, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to, I don't know, I don't have the answers, you know? It's like, I put two albums out and it's like, if you still can't look at that and realize that I'm a comic, like, because I I host a show, then I don't, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I had someone in, um, Someone at, an, at a management company who I want to rep me and aren't asked me if I could get their comics on my show. And I thought that was kind of like a spit in the face. <laughs> well, yeah. And I was just like, wow. Like, and I personally think I'm, that doesn't matter. But, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Justin and I have a lot. Uh, if you listen to the episodes of Just Justin and I, we have a lot of those moments where we're like, you know what? Uh, all right, we're not gonna get it. <laughs> <laughs> we're just gonna we're just gonna cut ourselves off there. Yeah, so it's just like uh, it, it's. I mean, I, I've got you know I know some guys that are very successful and they've been through stuff and they're just kind of like it's never gonna end. Like 
Right. People like you're just, like you're good buddies with Dane Cook, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm sure he has. I mean, that guy built his empire off of like nothing. So right. I'm sure he has has offered like amazing words of encouragement. To yeah. You there's the some. Years. It's cool to go back and forth war stories with some guys like that, where like you tell them something you're going through, and they tell you. And you're like, oh, oh yeah. okay, yeah, no, it's bad. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, it just—it's yeah. just that whole thing where it's like you just—I just have to remember, like, it's not going to get any better, because like, I mean, I'm doing better than I was a year ago, I think and I'm just, still like, I what? think it's just it maybe it doesn't the challenges don't get better, they just uh, or, or worse. It's just different. This is different yeah. challenges every the every year. That the stakes are higher too. You know, yeah. it's like every it's it's just like you're you're dealing with stuff on a on a different level, and now it's like being being a public figure and entertainer right now it's it's really unfortunate what we have to go through it's like it's not about being um it's not about being like we we have so many people coming after us like people are making trying to make careers off of ruining people like that's a that's a big that's thing, a thing right now yeah, yeah. so it's like even if you walk the straight and narrow all it takes is is one person to make up a rumor about you and then people will literally there's no journalistic integrity anymore. So you have all these bogus sites and then people will listen to it and you're like, Dude, this isn't even, I hear stuff about myself where I'm almost like, he did what? Fuck that guy. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no, no. I didn't do that. What are you talking about? <laughs> like I hear stuff about me that I'm just like, what are you talking about? That's so far from my character. So it's like, that's just kind of like the age we're in right now is it's like, it really has so little to do with, we're like politicians. It's not even like, hey, just leave me alone. I'm doing my craft. I have fans. Let me be funny. That's it. It's like, oh, he's funny, but we got to get, we got to find it. You know what I heard about him? You know what? You look at him, he kind of strikes me. You know what? He doesn't deserve it because of this. And it's like, I feel like it was always probably like that a little bit, but it wasn't so uh, out there. It was more like, I'm sure like, you know, before all, all this, all the internet had this big boom and of everybody thinking that they had a voice. I'm sure like the comedy scene, you know, there were still people that were at each other's throats and whatever, but it was more controlled, I feel. So you could maybe overcome it and you could, you know, but now it's like you piss off someone for no reason even and they just want, they're just a, a bad person. And let's be honest, there's a, there's sociopaths working, lurking around, you know, and you, you know, you, they, they, for some reason, they see something in you that even maybe resonates with them or that they identify with that might just strike a chord with them and they don't know how to take it out healthy. They might start not liking you for, because they like you. And then all of a sudden it's like, you just got to hope that person doesn't get drunk or high and decide to post some shit. Now you find yourself uh, defending yourself against allegations that aren't even true and you're completely defaming, but like you're like, I don't even know what to do. This is so surreal. Have you had a personal experience where somebody like wrote something online that you're like, this is not even true? Oh, I get, I, get, I, I, I get harassed pretty bad. Uh, I've had to have articles taken down. I've had I've I've gotten it pretty bad. Other comedians? Or? I'm pretty sure they're other comedians. I don't. That's I'll go as far. I'll, I'll okay. only go as far as to say that. But I mean, I've had some really really weird stuff happen. Um, I got my car broken into last year, and then I got a text about it, which I have the text saying uh, it was easy getting into your car. We're a legion. Expect us. Uh, and then Whoa. another text after that saying. You're not funny. Just remember when you're alone, nobody likes you, and you're not funny. These are coming from it's comedians, and uh, good grief. And it just was from like hidden numbers, random or... numbers, Google numbers, all this stuff. And it got really bad. And then like you know the clubs kind of found out about it a little bit, which was good. But then like it was, I mean, I just I just had a, I just had a handwritten hate letter delivered to Laugh Factory for me. What? 
What? Uh, handwritten, call me a fuckface. I won the fuckface of the a day award, and I'm not funny. Why do you think people are doing this? I'm sure I'm not the only person going through it. Um, I don't know. I think that, I think that uh, people, you know, used to go through it when you were really successful. You'd start getting haters, quote unquote. You know, I think now it's happening to people sooner. I, I think it's just the, men- the the mentality that we're in right now, just in society in general, is that negativity rules. And I mean, like, look at your Facebook feed. Like, look at reality TV. Like, we're becoming shitty. We don't understand. Like, the line between talent and reality star is blurred. People want to know way too much about you. And it's like, and then they start concocting. Like, it's like, here's the beauty of a, of, of a, of a performer and a creator is that we have the ability to create reality. You know, uh, you know, whether it be in a, a joke or in a screenplay, it's a beautiful gift some people uh, can't differentiate real from fake. Like they might bring that mentality of storytelling into, so you know, and just start saying shit about someone and almost believing it, like becoming a little pathological. Um, it's it just, it's just, it's, it's a very, it's just a very weird time we've entered of like the smear campaign. We're in like the time of the smear campaign where it's just like this guy's getting heat. We should do something about it, and it's like. Wow, but it's we're, we invite it, we like it. It's what people read. People read those headlines. I mean, how many times do you really read a good headline over a bad headline? It's clickbait. It's clickbait. Yeah, and and it's getting people views. I mean, it all started with like Perez Hilton, and you know he's the first guy that was a complete. I, I don't. I'm not. I'm not behind him. He made an entire. Uh, he built his empire on shitting on people. You know, and people loved it. Like that was like the first of its time almost. And then, you know, he kind of changed his vibe a little bit, and now he's almost, like, respected somehow. But it's like, when he first started, he put dicks next to celebrities' mouths and be like, fuck. And people were like, this guy's awesome. It's like, he's a fucking piece of shit. Well, John, we're, we're nearing the end of the, the podcast. Uh, I mentioned to you before we started uh, our final segment. It's time for the Hollywood Bitch Slap. Um, I can't do that noise. <laughs> you didn't prepare for that noise. I didn't it's know okay. It's okay. We, we handle the sound effects here okay. in the building ears. Don't worry about it. You that. do actual yeah, yeah. sound effects? Yeah. You don't have them on the computer? It's yeah. your actual voices? Yeah, yeah. This is a button that I'm pressing on my skin right now. Is that moose? Is that cow sound effect? You just mooing? Or is that an actual... Mm. Wow. There's my frog. Oh, yeah, Ribbit. Yeah. Voice over work. That, what was that? Ribbit. It's a frog. Ribbit. <laughs> 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 he uh, he does voiceovers at Pixar. Don't worry. About it. Is that a Chris, is that Christopher Walken doing a, a frog? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Jeff Richards has a bunch of stuff like that. It's super funny. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. D- uh, Dustin Hoffman is a frog. Yeah, that's so, so funny. Good. Jeff Richards is so funny. Dude. Yeah. Um, okay. So what did you actually so want me to do? Okay. Yeah. So anytime Hollywood has you felt like has bitch slapped you a specific incident. Um, okay. So I. Uh, I mean, there's been so many. You've shared a couple of really good ones, by the way, already. So. Um, this one, this one was like, this one was like real Hollywood. This was like, uh, this was like, oh wow, this is this is Hollywood. Uh, so I got, I got um, picked up for a pilot. Okay. Um, with, uh, God, we'll call them, um, N T B. MTB. Okay, cool. M- NTB. Okay. <laughs> um, and I was like uh, kind of the co-star of it, I guess. Um, and uh, 
it was cool. I was excited. I was working on it with some people I liked, and it, the person who included me on it was it was really nice of them to do that. And uh, um, so the pilot was apparently supposed to get picked. Like you know, it was ordered by it was ordered by NTB pilot. And then they were this gonna. Is so bad. <laughs> <laughs> keep going, keep going. There are people that will really go. NTB is that new? Yeah, is that <laughs> is that a thing? Is that so? Um, <laughs> they pushed back. They pushed it back three times. Uh, so then it was like the last day of the option, and we had already signed on for thirteen episodes. It was like pretty much. I mean, it was in Deadline Hollywood that it was getting picked up. I'm pretty sure. And so I, we thought it was getting picked up for thirteen episodes. Yeah. And uh, the last day of the option, um, at the end of the day, we get the call. It didn't get picked up. It was a pretty weird, you know, email, but like whatever. So I was like, oh man, I was kind of bummed out. But this is this is where this is because that stuff happens all the time. But this is where it's annoying. This is where you realize like how many things have to go into play for something to get picked up. Uh, NTB had just gotten a new head. The The old head of NTB stepped down and the new head was in there for about three weeks and then it didn't get picked up. So my gut was, you know, it wasn't the new head's project. So they were like, we're not going to pick this so up scrap because it. we're going to scrap thing. it. It's not yeah. mine. It's not my thing. It's old news. Yeah. So would, it, would they have made the decision three weeks earlier or maybe even a month later? It probably would have gotten picked up. And he said, the, the annoying thing is I was doing a lot of sketches at that point so I had some shows written. So my plan was, okay, this is going to get picked up. I'm going to be on an MTV show, and then I'm going to make a push with my content. Well, because MTV at the time, girl code, guy code, all that stuff was popping. So I was like, this is a, it was a good time for for. Did I say it? Did I say the whole NTB? Sorry. Uh, <laughs> but naming other shows on the network. That's but I was like. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. It's over. <laughs> it was. It was man code and uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. you know, um, woman signals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was man language and woman symbols. Oh, okay. Oh, they yeah, had, yeah. I've heard of those. Yeah, they had, yeah. uh, and I was popping. I was like excited, <laughs> and then uh, I was like, I'll, I'll make a push of my own stuff after this, and then after that, that's actually it was after that that I decided to also do my album when, when he came to me and was like, oh, we, this record, you know, small record label. And I, and I was like, I was so bummed that that, that had, didn't happen. And I was so confused. I was like, yeah, this is, it was another factor in going like gun-ho with the album. So, yeah, that's so funny. Really bringing it full circle then <laughs> with, with the album, pushing you with being let down by this pilot. Guys, instead of being down on his luck, what does he do? He goes out and makes his own comedy album freaking happen and that's what the building years is all about boom boom and it is it's what it is this is what this is the name of the show man so john thank you so much for coming on the show buddy uh now we uh you can plug social media where people can find you uh for your laugh factor show all that stuff great okay at john campanelli one john campanelli one is my social media please follow me because that's all the industry cares about and i need i need numbers <laughs> um that's a whole nother can of worms we didn't get into but like whatever um part two part two part two um <laughs> and then uh jcampcomedy at gmail.com is my email um i'm at i'm at laugh factory wednesdays 10 o'clock if you guys want to message me um i'll put you guys on a guest list it's a really fun show and then, um, yeah, my albums are out, Nervous. It's on iTunes, Amazon, CD Baby, as well as New Phone, Who Is This? 
you buy it on CD Baby, I get a little more. So buy it on CD Baby. But iTunes and Amazon, I'll take. Um, and yeah, thanks guys so much. And uh, thank you, Jeremiah. I mean, such a good dude. Let me tell you something about Jeremiah Watkins. Really a good dude. And it's guys like you keep me in it because I'm like, oh, there are good people around, you know. And it's it's really important. You're 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 very important for entertainment. Let me tell you. That's so. really cool of you to say, man. Thank you. Thanks for coming by the show, dude. Awesome.